Welcome to the Be Light Podcast, where we discuss letting go of the mess, being the light God calls us to be, and not only being the light, but actually feeling light as we release it all and experience the unsurpassing joy of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you leave feeling encouraged and a little lighter. Hi, everyone. On our last podcast, we had the opportunity to interview Sam Smith, who is the author of the Green Ember series. And on today's podcast, we are going to be sharing the rest of that interview. So thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoy. One of the main themes that we see a lot in the books is the light versus darkness theme, or at least that's what I'm gathering. Um, it reminded me in John 1, 5, where it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Is this something you tried to implement in your stories? And if so, how? Yeah, there was no conscience like, uh, I'm going to tell a parable about, you know, the real world and, but, but but that is such a profound uh, influence. I mean, like that passage, my whole family, you know, memorized the beginning of John one um, during Advent, I think a few years. And when we, um, we, we, we uh, participate in, in, we practice Advent sort of lighting a candle and sort of, which is just a clock. If, if that sounds too spooky for, for anybody listening, it's just kind of a, clock of growing light um, as you approach Christmas. And uh, every time we light the candles, we say together, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. So that's deep in inside us. And that's deep in me for sure. And even the whole sort of big picture of the story being about uh, kingdom anticipation, about anticipating the kingdom of God uh, coming is um, very close to our family life, very close to our, our own heart. That's what we, that's what we, um, long for in our own real life. So <laughs> is that, are those sirens yeah. going really loud? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think it's gone. Uh, it's gone. We're good. <laughs> okay. So we live pretty far out in the country and that's extremely unusual, <laughs> Right. Um, which makes that's, me that's think how it like, works. what's going on. Hopefully my, Elderly neighbors are okay, but um, anyway, yeah. So, the, so the light versus darkness is is a is a theme that's that's. It just feels like that's that's real, and that's how that's how that's the story of history, and that's the story of every generation and every struggle is is sort of between these two forces, and um, and it's personified in different ways in, in my story. But yeah, that's an old it's an old old battle, and. And that's one reason why a lot of people, sometimes kids will write and say like, why don't you make a good um, hawk? Or I've got an idea for a good eagle who comes in. And I just wanted to make that simple. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of debate in, about children's literature, like, oh, make make the bad ones bad and the good ones good. And I'm sympathetic to that. And there's people who say like, well, that's not how life is. So, and I'm sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the reason why I love the Bible because it's so comprehensively good. Um, it's got stories in it that, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be rated R and uh, mm-hmm. it's got stories of the people making bad choices and having bad consequences, people making bad choices and being seems to be okay for a while. And there's all kinds of wrestling with that in the Psalms and all over. And even Ecclesiastes, which is my favorite book is just full of this sort of wisdom about how life is. And it's like perplexing and it's difficult and it's fleeting and it's, um, but um, 
but that there's sort of that constant. I, I, I like the, I like having sort of, I've sort of have, and again, I didn't do this super consciously at first, but I like having the wolves and the, um, Tolkien did it with the orcs, like the orcs weren't, didn't have souls or whatever. They mm -hmm. were, they were kind of these perversions of men, but they weren't really, so he could have a, an enemy that was just like, they're bad and mm -hmm. when they get killed. Nobody needs to be sad. And I feel that way about the birds and everything, but, but the rabbits themselves have all this complexity, which they, they are sort of their standings for people and that they can be, they can be great. Uh, and they can be, even the best of them can make these bad choices and, and, commit betrayal or have weakness or have be going through even our even our, our characters we love make mistakes and go through challenging times so i wanted that moral complexity that's sort of reflective of reality uh, that's mm -hmm. faithful to reality it's faithful to the world as is to be happening in the rabbits but I also wanted sort of some clarity about like the big enemy which i think is <clears throat> maybe the whole like we wrestle not with flesh and blood that whole sort of idea that that's not like the real enemy mm -hmm. you know, these people may be acting in this really um acting like enemies mm -hmm. uh, but they're not the main thing they're not the actual thing they're not the actual real real enemy and i've sort of so it's i think it's it's and, and the analogies or whatever they will break down in this but i think it's um at least my best attempt to sort of reflect reality as much as we came with that complexity, but th that theme of light and dark, of of anticipating amending, like all that is just very home base, very close to home for us, very close to our hearts for sure. And that's why this story is about hope. And actually, somebody pointed out at some point along the way that it's it's more about it's more than just about hope. It's actually about faith. It's about keeping faith, um, which is a little bit different than hope. And um, there is it's definitely a hopeful story overall. But I think a lot of the story is about keeping faith. Um, mm -hmm even when it's difficult or when things are bad like will you keep faith um, with the cause with the right and um sorry that was a long answer again no that's... it's great <laughs> yeah no it's wonderful and honestly like you saying that about the, having faith like the part we're in right now um I'm not going to give anything away really but <laughs> there's a battle about to happen <laughs> yeah, <spoiler alert. laughs> um Pickett is just, you know, trudging along. He's injured and he just keeps going and he's keeping that faith, even though the odds are against him. And, you know, once again, you're, you know, thinking about him being a rabbit and facing off against wolves and, and all of it. And as I was reading it last night, like I just felt encouraged um, because, you know, during the time that we're in and just even before this year, I mean, just, you know, you have struggles and just reading things that are so faith-based um, even without it outwardly, stating it what it is you're just getting that hope just by reading it mm -hmm. and you touched on um just how there's other you know i guess forces you know um, our battles not against flesh and blood and you know something we discuss a lot is spiritual warfare and um enlightened darkness and obviously that's the name of this podcast is be light so that's something that we're always you know, it's always in our prayers that we're a light to others. And going back <laughs> earlier, I zoned out, but I remembered what I was going to say now <laughs> about the relationship between uh, Heather and Pickett. I love how you did that there because so many books that I've read with our girls, they the siblings are bickering and then there's some kind of resolution at the end. But a lot of times I find myself being annoyed or in the middle of it saying, well, we don't, we wouldn't talk to each other that way. Would we kids, you know? And she's like, Oh, and that is usually like the over, you know, arcing theme. I feel like with a lot of books that have siblings in it. So 
I didn't even realize it completely until you just said that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Yeah. I feel the same way. The frustration of like, I get it. it and again, I think the, the, in my opinion, the Christian worldview is, is instead of what a lot of people think that, Oh, it's really narrow. You can only tell these kinds of stories where, where this thing, you know, someone sins and bad things happen or someone does makes the right choice eventually. And then they, win the championship or whatever like that's not the only kind of stories that that work for christianity is really comprehensive so I'm, I'm i'm hesitant to say like you have to tell this kind of like the fact is you could tell a story with people bickering the whole time and right. that would be sort of faithful to reality right. in a lot of ways and it'd be sad but i just I, I i feel like yeah that's sort of overplayed so much i get it feels so tedious to me that oh, okay great we're just like that's just a kind of sin uh, a kind of brokenness that I'm just like, do we have to, do we have to just highlight that? Like for the right. entire, it's so, it feels so heavy. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have at least at the heart of it, like, yeah, the people will fight and people will, will disagree and they'll be, I mean, I've got, I'm a little bit probably too sarcastic. So there's like sarcastic banter between characters. Um, but, but I love, it. <laughs> they love each other and they're, and they're for each other. And I, I, yeah, I do feel like that's, a little bit rare. I, I don't find that as often as I'd like to find it when I'm reading. No, yeah, I don't either. Um, you know, whenever I read this first and I was putting together some notes, I, I think I was probably in middle school and I read, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, by uh, Frank Peretti, it was Piercing the Darkness. And it's a lot of like spiritual warfare and, and different things. And it's things going on in real, I don't know, are you familiar with this book at all? <laughs> Yes, I am. I read it when I was a teenager, I think. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, it just made an impact on me because I, it was one of those things that it wasn't like we were talking about earlier, just an escape when I read it, when I read it, then I went into my everyday life and I was just like, okay, like these are things that are going on around me. How can I be a light in this? Like, am I hearing from God or am I hearing from Satan? Like, what am I, you know, it helped me filter truth. And I feel like whenever, even I'm reading this, um, it's the same it's very similar for me, even with, you know, reading it to my girls and to be able to look at this and say, you know, this character's doing this. Um, what kind of characteristics do you see in this that you would like to emulate, you know? And so it's, it's a lot of truth and a lot of goodness. I'm glad. I'm glad that that's been your experience. Uh, uh, Brian Brown uh, is the founder of the Anselm Society, which is a fantastic um they have a conference every year called the uh, imagination redeemed and they're a lot about trying to sort of bring uh, churches into a sort of an awareness of the importance of the arts and beauty and imagination and uh, one of the things he said um once in a talk that i was at he said uh truth and beauty will live together or die apart mm -hmm. um, i just feel like that's so true that mm -hmm. uh, the sort of the marriage of truth and beauty i find that you feel that you find that in storytelling or in the scriptures, you know, it's mostly stories, um, a huge amount of poetry, mm -hmm. mostly narrative stories and a little bit of teaching. I mm -hmm. mean, a third, maybe a quarter. So very, very little um, of what we normally think of. Oh, that's what the whole Bible is. It's nonstop sermon or teaching. It's really not. It's, um, and that's not to say, I think there's a value, obviously valuable place for truth. And I, I am one of those people that I love truth and, mm -hmm. and, I think it's important and doctrine is important and I love the Bible and, um, but I feel like we miss the, miss the importance of story and imagination. Jesus so often told stories and, 
And uh, I think what it feels like to me, what happens when you get faithful narratives like you do in scripture all the time is you don't lose truth, you gain meaning. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like it's so important that C.S. Lewis talked about um, intellect is the order of truth, but imagination is the organ of meaning. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we need meaning. So you can, you can say something like God is love, but those words are meaningless without a story. You have to have a story to go with it. It's the same thing with God is powerful or whatever, like God is powerful. We wouldn't, we don't know what that means unless we have a story, unless we have him speaking creation, unless we have him parting the Red Sea, we providing manna in the wilderness. Like we, we, they, it's all stories that make sense, that give meaning. But I, my, my feeling is that when you are faithful with the stories, especially of scripture, like you don't, you don't lose truth. You do, but you do gain meaning. And uh, I, I think that you do that even in the best fiction as well. Um, obviously the reverse is true too. You can get a lot of, um, you can get a lot of, you can sort of get catechized by the, uh, system of the world or, or a system that's sort of in rebellion against God through stories. And that's what, that's like the entirety of culture almost. Right. <laughs> it's really sad, but, but I feel like the, the, the line is very thin in the area of the imagination. And for a long time, we've fought very hard as Christians um, along the area of reason and power. And I feel like we, you know, before those things, <laughs> I just feel like imagination is first. The story is first. You know, if you if you're afraid about losing an election, like go back and and um, tell the stories that people will love mm-hmm. and that'll get their affections. It's just a different kind of a thing with stories. Right. I think they're powerful in a way. And I and I have nothing against reason and intellect. I think we need reason. We need intellect. Those are all gifts of God. They're all capacities mm-hmm. that He's given us. But I feel like we've a little bit let the team down on the imagination side. And and why are we still you know, 70 years later, still just talking about two guys. Right. Basically. And then you might have other people like Madeline Lingle or some others that you can mm-hmm. kind of, the truth is you go back and we have this incredible inheritance of Christian art, which mm-hmm. Christian art is like a joke now, mm-hmm. uh, which is a sad, sad thing. It should not be. Um, but, uh, and I'm not a big fan of like j- dumping on sort of people who are Christians who are trying to make movies or something. I don't mm-hmm. think I, People love to get real smarmy and like, oh, that's so stupid, but don't realize how hard it is to do something like that. Right. But anyway, we need to recapture that. Um, I don't know, re- recapture that part of the of the battle, and in a sense, maybe maybe more more language is not the most helpful thing there. But I feel like the that the line is pretty weak there, and mm-hmm. I, I feel called to that part of the line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And earlier you had touched on your favorite book of the Bible. You said it was Ecclesiastes. Are there books in the Bible that have inspired your writing? Um, is that one of them that you go back to often? I mean, I've read Ecclesiastes a thousand times because I think it's so perplexing and so wonderful. And I love, loved it since I was a teenager so much. Um, and I feel like every time I read it, I'm like, oh, I didn't even understand this before. Now I kind of do. And I, I feel like it's always just growing, growing, growing. I think it's so faithful. People often say like, oh, this is a, a rebellious, wicked man's perspective of life under the sun. But it, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It's so faithful. It's so good. It's so, so good. So, so true. Um, and it's so, so reflective of, of reality, the world, the way it really is. But it's perplexing. And it's difficult. And it's kind of a riddle. But like so is life. It's so poetic, so beautiful, and so much of that the poetry, um, the writings are are so um, 
I love them. I love the Psalms. I love the Proverbs. I've just lived in the Proverbs as a, as a young man and um, Ecclesiastes and Job. I love all those Song of Songs. Those are, that's a section of the Bible I really love a lot. Mm-hmm. But I also love the histories. I'm just now reading through um, all the, um, finishing up Second Chronicles after having gone through sort of the histories. Uh, and really, I, just going back to Genesis, like the Pentateuch is one of my, I love the Pentateuch and I love the Gospels so much too. So I don't know, it's all, it's all so great um, for me and probably, I don't know, there's so much storytelling in, in the scripture. I, I really do love the sort of the beginning story that's all through Genesis is such a wonderful book. And then John, I love the, I love the connection that John has with the, with the Pentateuch, particularly Genesis and like you said, the light and the creation, that kind of stuff. I just, um, reading, I love how much reading the gospels just carries all this sort of fulfilling weight from, from the, from the Pentateuch and from the histories and from David. And it's just powerful uh, to me that to see Jesus as this, like he is this, (laughs) he is the Israel that doesn't fail, you know, 40 years in the wilderness or 40 days in, in the wilderness. And he is this, new and better as people wiser than me have said um joseph and adam and joshua and moses and elijah he's just he's just uh so i i get excited about all of it but so storytelling i mean i don't know how to say like i read you know i memorized ecclesiastes chapter 11 and that worked its way into my literature in this way like i I don't know how it's found it's but it but it's but i have no doubt that it's there it's there in me you know dripping out that's who i am it's just formed me so much and the stories are this you know for good and ill which i'm positive there's a lot of (laughs) they are these outworkings of sort of my inner life and uh there's sin there and there's selfishness there and there's um dysfunction there and there's brokenness there but there's also beauty there's light there's goodness there's the gift of god there's what um a character in one of my favorite books um cry the beloved country um a pastor in that book which is set in south africa that he he says that i'm a weak and sinful man but god put his hands on me mm. and that's how i feel i feel that's so direct correlation from the scripture i don't know but i know i'm a weak and sinful man <laughs> but somehow god has put his hands on me and i think that if we all look that we'll find that the hand of god is there and uh, whether you're a stump grinder or a farmer or a housewife or a teacher or a pastor or a plumber or a storyteller, that God's hand is there and he's telling a story in you that's beautiful and true and good. And, and uh, it's not perfect and you're not perfect, but I look back and see, oh, God was working. God was working even through someone like me. Wow, uh, that's amazing. And, you know, honestly, I see a lot of those themes throughout your book. Um, you know, the struggle, and then we were talking about earlier about the faithfulness and then the redemption through it. And when I think about Ecclesiastes and I think about Job, you know, specifically too, you mm-hmm. see that. And, and just the realness of it. We were talking about the realness of characters and how there's not perfection and how there's these inadequacies that they transition through and the realness of it. That's what I've always appreciated about the Psalms is, you know, David's, crying out and he's in anguish and then two lines later he's celebrating and praising and he's back to anguish and i'm like yes that's i get it that's i'm right there like completely (laughs) 
Yeah, that's life right there. Yeah, that's praying the psalms uh, and like yeah, mourning through the psalms. Yeah, that's power. It's a powerfully again comprehensive book. It's just not narrow. Everyone thinks Christianity is very narrow, and mm-hmm. this is how you have to do this. And it's like, well, have you read the Bible? It's crazy. It's like it has this it's this capacity for sort of. Exp- not just explanation, but expression, like when you can explain, <laughs> when it doesn't make sense, which is like a lot in my opinion. Right. You're like, well, there's there's a voice to it. You have the this really faithful songwriter who was a killer and a king. Right. Mourning and weeping and being angry and doing dumb things and confessing and being so raw and honest. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love it. Yeah, I've always appreciated the vulnerabilities and reality that's seen in the Bible in certain characters because it, once again, like you're talking about with your books, it makes it more relatable. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. I can see that. Like, and thank you, God, for putting that in there. So I can see all the things that you can do in me because you did it in them and you chose them. Like, it's very relatable. It is. And don't you think, here's something I feel like is important for me. Like, I feel like a lot of my Christian life, I have felt uh, some. Uh, need or uh, like a, a comp- I felt compelled to sort of like put on a you know put on a face of like this is I'm uh, of being of goodness or righteousness or perfection or whatever instead of what you find in the scripture so often this sort of like um, invitation to be authentic and mm-hmm. not in a weird you know way or or some kind of goofy way and I think there's a lot of that too but I just mean that you can be <laughs> that we're allowed to I mean the whole I, the, the, throughout scriptures, there's this whole idea, idea of repentance. Like mm-hmm. that's these kings in, in, in Chronicles, there, there's those who sort of repented and those who didn't. Like David repented. That's mm-hmm. part of his whole success mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in a sense. And, and these other kings did not. And, and, uh, the, and I just feel like there's such a powerful um, invitation to uh, authentic acknowledgement of where we really are. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, I am struggling with this. I am I have sinned or I have, I am weak in this area, you know, and, uh, and it goes against so much of our cultural idols of manhood mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I've got to be in, in, you know, the perfect provider and protector or whatever. Like I can't be, I'm not mm-hmm. equipped totally. I've got to rely on the real provider, the real protector um, essentially. And I can't, I, so I, I have permission. I feel like in the, in the body of Christ in with the witness of the church, with the, with um with uh, the community of the of the followers of Jesus to be able to say like to be to tell the truth right <laughs> uh, about where I am and and and, tr- and not live there I'm saying but turn and change mm-hmm. grow and, and keep growing up to maturity in Christ yeah absolutely one of my favorite characters in the Bible I'm reworking back through the Gospels right now and just reading about Peter and just his just his audacity and he just jumps in there and then like he shrinks back and then i just work through just him you know being on the boat and walking on water and jesus calling him out and he sees him and he's looking at him and he's faithful in that and then he sees the waves and i can relate to that because i see the waves and then i start to sink and then you know i divert my attention back to jesus and then i'm back on top again because i'm focusing on him and so much with Peter. Like, it's just so relatable. It's just, he's one of those characters for me that that's how, like, I'm like, thank you for putting all this in there. <laughs> right at the very end, I will, I will, that will, this will never happen to you, never happen to you. And then betraying him. I don't yeah. know. Like, right. 
and, restor- and restoration again. And yeah, and he's even even so far that he gets confronted by Paul <laughs> later on uh, for not eating with the Gentiles and stuff. And so, yeah, he's just like, his whole life is this <laughs> life of, it's really repentance and yes and, uh, and restoration is like is the theme of his life and what an example like that's that should be us too yes absolutely so touching back on um you were saying that you saw like uh, the rabbits out there and that's kind of how your story started when you were telling your kids at night my husband tells my kids stories every night and one of their favorites has been ranger bob this blind possum from texas <laughs> which came from a blind opossum from Texas who would eat fries off the porch that my mom would throw to her. (laughs) So that's how that started. And I listened to that and I think, oh, that would be a fun, you know, children's book one day or something. How do you find the time to balance with, you know, having a family and then being able to get in the zone and write and then transitioning back to the dinner table and getting out of, you know, the world of rabbits and back to your family? How do you do that? I just, I just do it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have no problems with it at all. I don't know. I mean, it's like a growing habit of self-discipline. I, I, again, I feel like there's, um, my, I want my calling to be rooted not in like fame or self-expression, but in love and service. And uh, so, you know, when you find a calling that feels really, um, uh, I feel a lot of privilege for for having this calling and for the the feel sort of the responsibility and opportunity to to love and serve, particularly kids and families. And so, I I do feel a lot of love. <laughs> And I feel a lot of motivation about that. And I try to sort of think of it along those lines instead of maybe some of the conventional messages of, of culture about what artists are supposed to be like. Uh, so I, I feel like that's led to me wanting to be, um, have better habits. And I'm um, just like everybody else and sort of struggle with that. But I think I've gotten maybe better at some of that and I'm getting better as I go on learning to be um, more disciplined and more faithful to show up and, and sort of trust God that the, the accumulation of a lot of plotting, um, sort of disciplined plotting, <laughs> even if it's small uh, in the daily amount or whatever, it sort of adds up. Um, in, in a sense, there's nothing like more terrifying than trying to write a book. It's a, it's a little bit insane, actually. It's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's rife with all kinds of sort of arrogant presumptions, like I'm going to write I'm going to spend a long time writing a bunch of words. And then I expect a bunch of other people to invest their time in reading it. Like that makes sense. Right. So I, there, it's a little bit crazy and you have to, I think you kind of have to do it a little bit crazy. I like have to be a little bit, um, you have to do it stupid is what I tell people. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, um, I don't think I invented that, but I heard it somewhere along the way. You have to do it stupid and you have to do it scared and just keep going and uh, trust that that um, good things are going to come. But I think they do with, with discipline, with repetition, good ha- you know, trying to develop good habits. Um, but it's always a, it's always a challenge um, for sure uh, yeah. to get all that right. Because I feel like my first calling is to be a husband and a dad, and I'd rather kind of fail at everything else before I uh, fail there. And even though I do fail there for sure, um, but that's, sort of my first, the first province of my stewardship. And then uh, this is another sort of outworking of it. And, but I take it pretty seriously and I care a lot and 
and plus it's how I feed my kids now. So I've got to, I've got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Are there um, any authors that have inspired you along this way? You've mentioned a few, I think. Yeah. The usual ones um, that people that might find tedious or like cliche, but I I don't care because it's, they're just, it's true. I love C.S. Lewis and I love J.R.R. Tolkien. They are, um, I don't actively try to imitate them in any way. That's, um, kind of like trying to imitate Michael Jordan or something, you know, I'm not, that's not, I'm playing a different game. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I'm playing church league ball and, you know, trying to hoop it up against other 50 year old men. So I'm not, I'm not in that league, but I still love them and they're great. I think they're wonderful. I love GK Chesterton. I love uh, uh, Jane Austen. I love uh, Louisa May Alcott. Um, I love Indy Wilson's a modern author that I really like. Uh, Andrew Peterson's another, those are good friends. Um, who I love those, they, they are inspiring as well. Um, yeah, I love a lot of historical fiction. I love PG Woodhouse a lot. Uh, Patrick O'Brien. Um, yeah, I don't know who, uh, I, I like a lot of, um, uh, I like, I like, uh, John Stott and J.I. Packer as far as like nonfiction mm-hmm. sort of, uh, writers as well. And Tim Keller and, um, some others that I guess are living now. And yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't read a whole lot of the kind of fiction that I write. I don't think I'm pretty ignorant about that world um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but um, I do like to read and I like science fiction and fantasy and uh, yeah. Uh, Dune, the book I really loved. Uh, I don't know. I could go, I could go on and on. <laughs> I Reese, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know anything about Dune, but we work with the youth group and they were all talking about it last weekend. And then they were starting uh-huh. to give away stuff and they're like, no, 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 tell we're going to read that. And I, I don't know. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the new movies, there's a new movie. coming. Oh, okay. Out. I was like, I don't, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'm usually behind with the youth. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was from like the seventies, I think. Like, the, okay. The, Dune was a really popular book, like when, but I don't know how great it is for every age. It's not, it's certainly not like a middle grade, like young kid kind of a book for sure. But yeah, these were like high school, like junior, senior. Yeah. I think around that time. It's a, I, one thing I love about it is that a lot of science fiction or fantasy, and it kind of falls into a lot of those categories, but a lot of them don't take the, into account the fact that most people are religious or have been religious mm-hmm. in some ways they have beliefs and and even though it's not necessarily it's, it's certainly not a christian story by any means but it's a it at least deals with the reality that people believe things a lot of a lot of times science fiction is very cold and barren and mm-hmm. like very uh me- mechanistic and mm-hmm. feels cold. empty yeah it does and and i like the fact that dune at least accounts for the fact that people <laughs> People have beliefs about uh, about things, so it's kind of cool. I wanted to touch on real quick. You on your, I believe, is the website. I saw you um, have the fight back message, and I saw a few, few people had asked if it was a political message, and I would just love to hear your message behind the fight back. Well, so yeah, we we uh, going back to sort of what you're you're um, talking about earlier with the rabbits, like the. The logo is sort of the, the rabbit archer sort of leaning back and firing up at a, at a big towering bird of prey. And again, this is application, not, not allegory by any means, but sort of I, 
I view a lot of people like you who are sharing these stories with your kids, um, particularly a lot of moms who are like in the trenches every day as, as people who are fighting for the light and who are um, very heroic. And so it's, it's not a, it's not connected to any kind of political movement or anything like that at all. It's like a much older battle <laughs> and it's um, it's goes back to like St. George and the dragon, you know, and, and before that to the garden and the dragon in the garden. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, so I, I feel like people doing modest things, me as a dad, my wife as a mom, um, modest, loving, uh, faithful, um, maybe mundane routine things every day, loving kids, serving vulnerable people. I feel like that is a profound way to fight back against the darkness. And I love it and I want to encourage it. And I think that we, you know, we did mugs, I think and hats and um, a shirt. And I think the, the heart behind that certainly for me is, and I've sort of always felt a kind of a keenness, like a lot of um, moms, a lot of women, I feel like are overlooked in, um, I don't know, like dismissed by <laughs> sort of all sides in a lot of ways and instead of being seen and appreciated for what you guys are, which is incredible warriors of light who are doing more, um, but it's sometimes over, it's just sometimes in the, in the shadows or overlooked. And I think I feel like that's where like kingdoms are um, made and strongholds are toppled like uh, by this quiet, and uh, relentless faithfulness, and that those, those um, that logo, that sort of st stuff we're doing is um, is rooted in in that. It's kind of an homage or encouragement to parents and others uh, who are not settling, who are fighting back. I love that, and I appreciate you saying that because it is easy to feel that way, especially. Um, as a mom or a dad, or, you know, if you're staying at home or not, um, you can start to feel overlooked and maybe feel like the things that you're doing don't matter, or maybe they're not appreciated, but thinking about it in the, in a godly kingdom sense, like I sometimes have to withdraw and just take a moment and think, you know, God placed these children with us for a purpose and in this season and God, what do you want me to do with this? And this is what he's given me right now and not to overlook it and be like, well, I, I should be doing something more important or I should be doing this or that. This is the important thing that he has given me to be a good steward of um, in this time. And, and I like, you know, you said just like, it's kind of like the simplicity of things. Like I do, you know, at the beginning of this year when we were staying home and, and we couldn't go out as much and everything, it was really nice in some ways because I remember thinking like God is really showing me what's important and what's not important. And our schedule had gotten so busy and crazy that I was like, let's just break it down, you know, and just see what's really important. And, it, and things just really became a lot more evident during that time. And I think too, with like the fighting back message is also like crafting that imagination uh, in kids' minds. So we were talking about earlier about the boredom and everything, just crafting that imagination and that need to invent and to take some of the things that are in their head and, and, and put it onto paper um, or create different things through art or whatever it is, playing outside, creating games, <laughs> you know, um, just all of it. I, I love that message. 
I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. It feels like sometimes I hope that the pandemic has been an opportunity amid all the necessary sort of needs, reasons to lament the loss of life and loss of employment and all kinds of really terrible things that have been difficult. I think often in terrible, what we, what it, what are and what seem to be terrible circumstances, there are some gifts for us. And it feels like for many of us, there is an opportunity to sort of recognize what we, what we truly cherish, what we truly value and, 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 and an invitation to simplicity and clarity feels like it's there. Mm-hmm. If we if we're willing to say, um, I don't know, just show up for that, and I, and when people show up for that, I feel very encouraged, and I want to say like I see you, um, and I love it, and what you're doing matters, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 maybe everybody's not going to stand up and applaud you, but but God does, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, this hick writer in West Virginia uh, <laughs> thinks what you're doing is amazing, heroic, and admires you tremendously. Well, I appreciate that. That's, that's awesome. and super encouraging. And just to wrap up, since our podcast is be light podcast, are there certain things that you do that help you to be light? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I, I, I think the, the, I want to be faithful to my calling. And I think that as we've talked about before, that that's, I want it to be rooted in love and service and, um, I feel like by saying yes, and really, honestly, well, let me say that one of the most important things I do is say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I say no and a lot, and I'm trying to get better at saying no more um, so that I can say yes to what I've actually been called to, because they're, especially in the, in the internet age, and we can be aware of a million catastrophes and a million areas where desperate help is needed right now, and your attention, please do this. And we we can't be God. We can't be omnipresent. Um, and so I feel like being faithful, being local, thinking small uh, is a big value of mine. I want to think small and uh, think about my family, think about my community, and think about my callings uh, to be a light in my in those places first, and and uh, to seek the kingdom of God first, and and to leave um, a lot of the troubles. Uh, and opportunities of the world um, outside of my the sphere of my control mm-hmm. uh, feels feels very important. So I don't know if I answered the question very well, but that was that's my best shot. Perfect. And I mean, <laughs> and it's hard. We've talked a lot a lot about this actually in the podcast. Like saying no actually makes you a lot lighter because we have the tendency to be like, well, I have you know that night open. I can just you know put that in there. I can do this and just one more thing. It's not a big deal. And before you know it everything, every minute of your day is planned. And and God talks so much about being still and having rest and that being a discipline that needs to be observed. And for a reason, um, we start just going crazy with the busy. And I love how you said uh, being local and staying small, because it makes me feel like, you know, God placed you in West Virginia for a reason at this time. And sometimes I think God you know, we've talked about on the podcast how we've had a few moves and he placed us in Ohio for a reason right now. And and not to overlook that as it just being chance, like, and be like, well, I should be doing something bigger. I mean, if God calls you to something bigger, great, go do that. I'm not saying that, but right now, this is where he's calling me to be with my kids, to serve them, serve my husband and, and be local. 
I, I love that. Yeah, I certainly feel that for sure. So thank you so much, Sam, for joining us. And I'm going to tell everybody I'm so excited because Sam has so graciously offered a set of all nine books signed for an upcoming giveaway we're going to be doing. So be on the lookout for that. It's also going to include his newest book, Archer's Cup, that is being released. Um, is it October 20th? Is that right? Um, yeah, well, the full release, like Amazon and everything, will be November 10th. But you can you can get it at our website, like right now, scsmith.com. You can get it, um, pre-order it, and they'll ship. Some of those are, are going out as we speak. So, But yeah, it, it, November 10th, it'll be available everywhere. That's awesome. And yeah, be sure to check out his website because there are so many great... Um, items on there, merchandise, and then also blog posts and everything. I've always loved going there and checking things out. So thanks so much, Sam. We appreciate it. Thank you, Amber. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed this conversation very much. Great. Thanks. Bye. So when we were finished, I asked Sam if he wouldn't mind saying hi to my girls who were huge fans. And they were so excited when I went down and got them and they came up and were able to speak to him. So I wanted to include a few clips from their conversation. <laughs> it's really good, Kieran. Oh, good. So how old are you girls? I'm 10. I, she's three. And I'm eight. It's very nice. Maisie, do you know who this is? <laughs> he writes about Heather and Pickett. Um, Maybe this will help. Hold on a second, Maisie. <laughs> Wait. Wait, just wait a second. Maybe this will help you figure out who I am. Okay. Oh. Nice. Who is that? Did I keep thinking of Heather and Pickett? Does that help? Yeah. She's like, no, I still don't know who you are, you weird bald guy. It's Heather. It's Heather. <laughs> Heather. <laughs> She's yeah. always talking. She'll sit out there and listen to us reading. I don't know how much we're retaining, but <laughs> she talks about Heather and Pickett. Yeah, she's always like, yeah. what's Mr. Emma going to do? Yeah, Mr. Emma. <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> that is great. Thank you, Maisie. That is so cool. I like your hair, by the way. Thank you. I can snap. Can you? Yeah, I can. Can you do this trick? Where you put your two fingers together and then you go like this? Um, I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the next thing. When I was in South Africa, they would do that. And if you got in trouble or something. It's like have a dress. <laughs> if you have a dress, yeah, totally. Um, even though I didn't have a dress, they still did this. Um, they would, if you were getting in trouble, they'd say, Ooh, you're gonna get it, okay? You're gonna get it. <laughs> you're gonna get it. Aina. That's what they would say. Or they, Ooh, you're in trouble. That's so funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you so, so much. much. My pleasure. It's uh, Thanks for letting me meet the girls. It's so nice yeah. to meet you guys. Awesome to meet you too.